Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Please note, this episode was recorded prior to the Screen Actors Guild strike. Hey, it's great to see you. Hey everyone, it's Evelyn, your host, creator, and producer here at Reppin. And guess what? We've got a familiar face back in the house today. You might recognize her from Netflix's Lock and Key. And yeah, she's a talented actress. But you're also going to learn she is a powerhouse behind a brand called Keycon. It's her holistic lifestyle brand all about care and connection. She's on a mission to advocate for health and wellness for everyone with an emphasis on connecting people with their food, themselves, and one another. Her philosophy is that if we made healthier and better food choices, it would connect us to nature and foster a stronger sense of community. But how are they connected? How does that all work? And what was the catalyst for KeyCon? Well, she's going to tell us all of this and share how she's using her own life experiences to help build others up. So let me welcome back Genevieve Kang. Thank you so much for coming back, Genevieve. You're a successful actress. And now you started an entire new company. Can you talk a little bit about your new company and what it's called and what you're doing? Yeah, um, my brand is called KeyCon. And I guess it's new to a lot of people. Um, I did actually launch it, though, probably seven or so years ago. When I first finished holistic nutrition school, um, I came out of my program and launched a business by the same name, KeyCon. Um, however, it was a very different iteration. It was very much in the vein of I was a, now a host nutritionist, and so I wanted to work with clients one-on-one and help other people in ways, you know, just to share my wealth of knowledge and, and the things I had learned and from my own personal experiences as well with holistic and alternative um, medicine. Um, then acting really picked up, and I was focused on that for several years and consistently working in that space. And then it just kind of struck me last summer. So now it's been just over a year, um, but where I was really missing being in the wellness space. Um, but I knew that I wanted to re-enter it in a different way. So I revived KeyCon, kind of a fresh set of eyes, really appreciative for kind of the time I took away from the wellness industry, essentially, and just to kind of explore other things in life and have other experiences because I feel like that really impacted this kind of new approach I took in returning to this space. And my core philosophy of my brand remains the same, 
but in terms of a lot of the approach and the different kind of activations I'm doing versus what I was doing seven, eight years ago is very different now. So what does Kikon actually mean exactly? So Kikon is uh, how I kind of stumbled across the name was I actually took the first initials of each of my family members. So my parents and my three siblings, and I lined them up all in a row, all in order. And it spelled Kikon. And I was like, this sounds kind of cool and interesting. And then I looked it up and found out that it, one of its meanings is a Japanese word and it has many translations. But within those many translations is it can represent this idea of like backbone or nucleus or kind of the root of something like origin. So I really like the idea of almost incorporating my family or like some part of my family name or something within the brand um, um, because again, like origin and where we come from and informative to our well-being. And then, yeah, the core of my philosophy is about garnering self-awareness and connection with yourself, but then also with your food, with nature, with others, but we're ultimately all the same. I love that. So yeah, it feels even more like intentional. Right. This was all born from a personal experience. I think in our first conversation when you guested on the show, we were kind of, we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but I'd love to kind of recap it to kind of really get a deep dive here. But Kikan was because of a health issue that you struggled with when you were diagnosed with lupus around 13, 14, right? Can you talk a little bit about what some of the symptoms are of lupus, what lupus is for people who don't know? And what was happening to you when you didn't have a new way, like a holistic way in terms of nutrition and food and Eastern medicines that sort of was the genesis of all this? Yeah, I'd say my, my diagnosis and then experience with lupus was really the catalyst for me wanting to study holistic nutrition. So when I was first diagnosed, the Symptoms that I specifically was experiencing was severe joint pain. So at the time, they also diagnosed me with juvenile arthritis. So I had really severe joint pain. And then I also was experiencing like rashes or lesions like all over my body. I had the very, um, the malar or butterfly rash. And it's a rash that kind of appears across the bridge of the nose. And that was actually the indicator that prompted my parents to have me start to go to the doctor and get checked and do some testing for lupus because my dad's youngest sister, so my aunt, she had lupus and they knew that specific rash across a very specific sign. Um, yeah, it was 13, 14. It was about a year or so of just like going back and forth with testing for them to like finally diagnose and confirm that it was lupus. For those who don't know, so lupus is an autoimmune condition that still, I think, is a bit of a mystery and puzzling to yeah. even doctors. But from my knowledge, it's when the immune system is essentially like hyperactive and in such a way that it's not able to any longer recognize what is a foreign substance within the body and become like an invader versus what is healthy and so what can happen is your immune system can be so overreactive that it starts not only attacking the, the foreign substance that it's meant to, but it'll start also attacking healthy tissue. And this can be very unique, I think, for every individual. It, it can impact different organs or systems within the body. So for me, it really 
nothing to, again, impact, obviously, my joints. Right. But I've been fortunate that it hasn't impacted any, like, specific organs because I know, you know, some people, it really impacts, like, their liver, their kidneys, which are essential, obviously. And so, yeah, that all kind of led me to studying holistic nutrition after many years of um, trying to figure out things in a more allopathic way. So with, like, conventional medicine, when I was first diagnosed, To help alleviate my symptoms, they put me on a really powerful drug that was helpful to those symptoms, but it also came, of course, with certain side effects, one of which being that I could lose my eyesight. And so (laughs) it's like, basically every six months I had to go to an eye specialist to have my vision tested just in case I was losing my eyesight. Just in case. Just in case. And I'm taking this medicine every day. Um, so I guess like 14 onward and it was quite 18-ish that I was just like, the moment for me was really I woke up one day and I was like, I don't want to take this medicine every day. Is there not another way? Like, is there not an alternative? And again, being so young, like having so much hopefully life ahead of me. Yeah. Seemed like wild to me to settle that this was the only way. I just took it upon myself to educate, like self-educate. The internet can be great for some things. Some things. Yeah, exactly. Obviously consult a doctor. Yes, please consult a doctor. Yeah, but I did go off my meds and I slowly transitioned to just altering my diet and lifestyle. And it was, it was gradual. So like, you know, it's interesting to be able to reflect now and wow, yeah, I've basically lived symptom-free now without the use of medication for 15 plus years. Oh, thank God. My doctors, for years, they've been saying like, there's no longer the markers within my blood work that would indicate that I have lupus. So it's great to be able to say that now, but I think it's really important for me to share that like, it wasn't just something that happened overnight. Like it took many years to right. figure out what worked and what didn't. And still, it's sometimes a process. So first and foremost, can we go back to this losing your eyesight, perhaps? I don't know. That seems like a pretty steep fall off the cliff to try to mitigate other issues. Yeah. It feels like we're living in a culture where there's a pill for everything. When you took it upon yourself at 13, 14, and again, this is not medical information, please check with your doctors. But how did you discover the alternate route to take? So it was actually more like 18, 19 that I made that, the decision to, like, I didn't want to take my meds anymore. Yeah, gotcha. The truth is that I felt like that I had like a deeper knowing that what that way for me wasn't going to work long-term. Like it just on core value belief. Like I was raised in a household that was very much followed conventional allopathic medicine not necessarily alternative medicine. Um, my intuition just felt like this wasn't going to be for me long-term. So there had to be another way. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The thing that I love, the fact that you had this knowing, but you also took the extra steps to study holistic medicine and nutrition. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned there? Because sometimes, like myself, a general layman's person, you know, you hear about holistic wellness or medicine or foods. And, you know, we're talking about representation. There's also stereotypes that are attached there, right? Mm-hmm. The stereotypes aren't just limited to people of color or underrepresented communities. But anytime you talk about something, there are biases that are immediately attached. So when I hear holistic, I'm thinking you're walking around with like crystal beads chanting and green smoothies and you're eating only salads from a certain farm. So talk a little bit about the initial stereotypes that exist still, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, and what you learned when you started studying this and what you're bringing into KeyCon. In terms of, yeah, helping to define what I mean by holistic, it's really looking at the person as a whole ecosystem, looking at the symptom of, okay, so in my case, yeah, the rash or something from when I was first diagnosed with lupus and, and looking and just trying to treat that thing. It's looking at, can we get to the root of the issue and not just what may be causing this flare up on the skin, but is it impacting other parts of the body, you know, somehow connected. And so that's, you know, when we talk about holistic health and holistic wellness, it's considering all aspects. So not just food and nutrition, but also lifestyle, sleep, rest, activity, movement, all that kind of stuff, relationships, community. So for me, when I went and studied uh, I think it was a, a bit of a, you go, also going back to just the, kind of having this intuitive ping that, you know, taking medicine every day for the rest of my life and just stopping it, that wasn't enough. It was, I had this kind of desire to know more so that I could make a more educated decision myself about what was best for my body. Um, again, I have so much respect for doctors and health practitioners of all walks of life. Um, and I think we don't, tune into our own bodies enough in a holistic way. So physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to know what is actually best for us. So we're kind of just taking the first bit of advice we get. And maybe that is the best option at any given time, but also maybe also question it and and get curious. And maybe there's, again, an alternative. When I went to answer your question and to kind of unpack this idea of stereotypes around holistic wellness, and the kind of image that yeah comes to mind is the green smoothie with the salad or I totally get that. I think that has a lot to do with how we've westernized and commodified wellness. And so it's like we've put it in this kind of like meat package and this is the way. And if you want to be healthy, you have to do like this thing. But again, with holistic at its true form, and what it really means is that we all are different and unique. 
So what's going to work for me isn't necessarily going to work for you and vice versa. Right. The program where I studied holistic nutrition, incredible program. It was more so coming out of the program. And when I was forming my initial business, that I was still being bombarded with these images of what it was to be a holistic nutritionist even. And even today, even with my brand Kikon and how it's evolved and I take this different approach, people still, as soon as they find out, like they, they hear I'm a nutritionist, they just assume a certain um, ideal or image. And they always assume that I'm vegan, which no, <laughs> like not all nutritionists are vegan. At least, um, it's funny again. But that's true. Yeah. That's totally true. Yeah. And then I feel again, are part of the commodification and the marketing, like that's mm. all that stuff. And that can be part of it, but that's not the whole picture. Yeah. It rarely is, isn't it? It's interesting because the first time we talked about you're being mixed race and sort of identity and feeling the struggles of not knowing where you belong or fit in. And here again, we're talking about something completely different, which is wellness. And again, you're like, I'm not vegan. I'm not like throwing granola at people. You break all these stereotypes. And also, you had said something to me when we talked a little bit about you didn't see anyone that looked like you in that space of wellness either. Mm -hmm. And there was a specific outside messaging that was delivered to you in the wellness space. But, you know, let's pull back for just a second. Messages are delivered to all of us from society. <laughs> One of the points I wanted to make is like when you had this instinct of knowing that there's got to be another way for my own body to be an advocate for your own body and say, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with Western medicine or whatever your doctor prescribes. But for me personally, I don't want to keep taking pills that might make me blind. Just saying, you know, you went and you studied it. What were you seeing when you got into this space? For myself? Yeah. I became my own guinea pig, first of all. So it was what? Like a very trial and error process, right? Uh, okay. Out again, like what works for me? Okay, gotcha. And when I was working with plants, when I would never recommend or suggest anything that I hadn't tried myself. So throughout my studies and my, the program, and I think most of the students in the program were all kind of experimenting with the different things we were learning about. And um, I think that in itself really garnered even more self-awareness to be like, okay, look at all these other options of things. Again, just figuring out like what works for me or what works for my classmate that doesn't work for me or that kind of thing and engaging from there. There is no one size fits all to anything. I want to go back to something because we were talking about you not seeing the representation even in the wellness space. I think a lot of people don't necessarily equate wellness and food in terms of self-awareness. Mm. People know what you are, what you eat. Like you learn that in elementary school and people know that. But still people are smacking down cheeseburgers from fast food. When you're talking about self-awareness and well-being and knowing your body, can you help connect that a little bit more directly for people who may not have ever thought about it? Like, how does food make you more self-aware? With my approach to wellness, and just to track back a moment, when I first had launched Kikon years ago, mm -hmm. my core philosophy was the same, but I was still kind of approaching it in the, like, commodified, stereotypical way of just 
eat these foods and these are the healthy things. And almost kind of been like villainizing certain foods and taking a step away from the industry and reentering um, when I revived Coupon last year, I feel like I'd come back to it with uh, almost a more holistic approach overall, but then also just like a gentler kind of easeful approach that is just not so one-sided and kind of hold myself accountable for I feel like I was a bit one-sided in the past. But yeah, my approach now between scenes and cultivating self-awareness and where I think the holistic thing is because it's starting with learning where your food comes from, supporting local agriculture, you know, understanding that food doesn't grow in a takeout container. It actually grows in the soil. And what are we doing as human beings on the planet to that impact in the soil that's therefore impacting the food we're growing and we're consuming and spending our money on. Uh, so it's like really getting curious about all those aspects is part of that self-awareness piece. Yeah. So then when you're consuming the food, you know what you're eating. That's why I'm also such a big proponent for preparing your own food, cooking your own food at home. That's a, another great way to again cultivate that self-awareness. And then in terms of my actually ingesting the food and obviously getting familiar with your body cues and just figuring out like what feels good, what doesn't, that can take time. Like I said, it's not necessarily something that everybody is going to catch on to super quickly. I think we live in a society that unfortunately designed to disconnect us from our bodies. And I know for me, I'm just a very sensitive person and even just being like in more of a metropolis, just with like EMFs and all those signals, like just everything, the overstimulation of people and their energy, it's just a lot. So when I'm in a more quiet environment and in nature, there's a reason we feel so good when we're by the ocean, in the forest. Often those can be spaces where, again, we are able to have a little bit more body awareness and, oh, I didn't, I've never felt this before because we're meant to be in those spaces. There was something that you said, we're dedicated to nurturing your well-being through the power of food and community. <laughs> That's another sort of connection about community that people don't necessarily think about in terms of wellness. Now, love what you said, like food doesn't come out of a takeout container. Like I'm coming from New York City, I'm going to be honest, and I, I work in production and you know how those hours are. You're working a million hours a day and you're just grabbing whatever. And in New York, it's definitely pizza. It is important to be aware there are alternate ways that you can eat, live, and think and be. <laughs> I think after speaking with you, it's opened my eyes in the sense that wellness really means in, in the holistic space is really looking at all parts of you. Because current mentality in terms of wellness may be more about masking symptoms. Hence, like we can treat your lupus, but you might lose your eyesight. You're signaling that there are other ways of doing it that could be potentially more beneficial. But in terms of community, how is Keycon helping the community as well? A couple of things like, and to your point about like, I like to eat out every now and then too. I'm not saying you can't ever eat out, you yes. can never get takeout and stuff. Of course, it is more about the educational piece. Because what I'm seeing too with like young people, children whose parents almost exclusively eat food that's like takeout. And so it's showing up on the doorstep in this box. And I worry about the future of our children learning that that's where food comes from. It comes from a button you press on your phone 
And I mean, hey, that could be the future. So maybe, but I, I, I am a bit of a, an old soul in this sense too. It's like, I think it's so important that we're teaching our children, but also ourselves as adults, like understanding that how did that food in that takeout container get there? Where'd the tomatoes, where that tomato sauce come from? And just educating ourselves more and doing our research and our due diligence. Mm -hmm. Because I think we have so much power in our food choices and we aren't living up. I think I'm generalizing, but I, I think it's for myself, I feel like we're not actually living up to our potential when it comes to realizing how much agency we actually have when it comes to these things. In terms of KeyCon, like what kinds of foods are you cooking and serving? My food really just highlight the use of real whole ingredients, um, supporting local farmers as much as possible, using seasonal ingredients as much as possible. It's not 100% perfect. I also like to use organic whenever I can. Um, when I'm preparing food, so I held like a supper club series here in Vancouver where I'm currently based and then uh, just various catering events and that sort of thing, wellness retreat. And, and yeah, so it's almost like through the food and the ingredients that I'm using, that's part of the kind of the educational piece. And I think part of the attraction for why people would want to work with me versus maybe somebody else. And even just a, a side tip to what you were saying about working in our industry as well of, of yeah. production, TV, film, being on set, long hours. And unfortunately, yeah, sometimes the options aren't always the healthiest. I recently catered a commercial shoot and it was so fascinating to be on the other side of, usually I'm the one, I'm the performer consuming the crafty and here I'm providing it. And, and it was a great budget. So I could kind of have really high quality and so everything was from scratch. I think I didn't make myself was the sourdough bread that I sourced again locally for local baker, the hummus and the chia puddings and the yogurt and the granola, like everything was, I made from scratch. And it was really coming from the place of like, well, if I was on set and wanted something healthy and, and satisfying too. So that's a big part of like, it's like, I want to show people that you can have nourishing food, but that it's also delicious. Because again, another stereotype. Yeah, it's like, oh, but you have to eat like a rabbit, you know, to be healthy. You, know, you can only eat salads and those things can be great. But like, how can we again make these things satisfying from a flavor profile, but also just keep us energized? And I think it's also why, again, in the industry with these long hours that we're being fed, in a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of cases, it's not nutritious food. And, and that yet we're expected to work. 12, 14, 18 hour days. Yeah. And that's when you see the people reaching for you know, the sugar just to keep them going, the caffeine to keep them going, everything in moderation. But in this case, it's usually not moderation. It's my food. Again, generally, it's nourishing food, but it's also delicious. As my brand has grown, I've just naturally evolved to incorporate and reflect more of my ancient heritage in the recipes. So it might be a fusion thing. For example, a really popular dish, but is a, it's a Japanese yam gnocchi. So it's like incorporating, again, ingredients that maybe I grew up with, but then putting a spin on it. That sounds delicious. It's so good and really simple. And so it's, again, it's also like recipes and things that at the end of the day, if I had to teach somebody, typically they wouldn't be like so difficult to make at home. 
And then when it comes to some of the event stuff I do, like specific to if I'm working with a brand or something, that's where I'll be a bit more creative. My palate has just naturally, I've always, I grew up, you know, obviously eating a lot of Chinese food and different Asian cuisine, but yeah, how it just kind of naturally fallen into place. Your menu sounds delicious. I think the other thing that's really interesting is the first time we talked a lot about your struggle of feeling both your cultural backgrounds, being half Chinese and half Portuguese. And I think when we met almost over a year ago at this point, you were still very much at a crossroads where we were going through AAPI hate. And that's still obviously an issue, but it's safe to say that both of us were feeling a real uh, reckoning in some ways of who we are and how we understood our own background. And I'm going to speak for myself here. I think me embracing being Chinese or Asian American, always feeling like the outcast, um, to see you bring in your heritage with your brand, with your food, to harness community across the board for everybody. Mm-hmm. And infusing all of what you are here, I just think that's such a beautiful evolution. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I think it just, yeah, it, it, but it did naturally unfold that way. Because yes, when we last spoke and struggled all my life with this identity piece, I didn't relaunch Kipong last year being just like, oh, and I'm going to focus on my Asian heritage like by no means. And actually, I want to relaunch. I had zero plans. I was like, I'm just going to share stuff again. See what happens. And it just naturally kind of presented itself. And I kind of just followed step by step, one foot in front of the other and kind of like feeling into what seemed best for me. And it's just naturally evolved in this way. But yeah, I completely agree with you to the, to your point though. It does feel kind of like this like full circle yeah. moment um, does not go unnoticed by me. That's like, and I think actually, again, taking that time from when I first launched Kikon seven, eight years ago and then just stepping away and living life and having identity crises and being in the, you know, <laughs> TV film industry and being faced with a lot of rejection and that kind of prompting just like, oh, it's like poking at all this stuff from when I was younger about how I wasn't, again, whatever, like smart enough or talented enough or beautiful enough. And, um, but it'll have a lot to do with physical appearance and specifically that I was part Asian. And then addressing a lot of that, working at, like very actively addressing a lot of that for myself yeah. to a point where I could really come to a place of self-acceptance and, and peace. And, and as you mentioned earlier, um, like celebration and celebration for myself, celebration for my family, my culture, where I come from. But then, yeah, it wasn't like a, I don't know, there was no point where it's like, and then I'm going to force it into my business. It just felt like kind of naturally was already there. Feels very kind of aligned. Um, it is also kind of interesting because I'm half Asian and also, you know, white. So it's fun to kind of look at it. It's like an amalgamation of that as well. I think it's really beautiful in terms of how it's manifesting and I hope for what it's worth, Genevieve, that you really take a moment and have Kikon celebrate the struggle that you went through and loving who you are at this point, like all of you. Now, I need to ask you this because you've been working with clients in showing other ways. This, When you're bringing this information to your clients, be it as a nutritionist who's not vegan, 
right? What's some of the feedback that you've gotten where it's made you, again, underline that what you experienced with lupus and making a change and educating yourself, going to training, going to school, learning more, and then making a shift in your nutrition and well-being has made a difference in their lives. Yeah. I think a big thing on the point there, not all nutritionists are plant-based, not all, you know, eat one specific way. I think we all do need to eat more plants. I just think, again, like we've said, different things were for different people. I think what a lot of people, if I, if I speak to them about health and wellness, ed- educating at a workshop or one of my events, in my approach, they, they're often surprised at how and I use this word gentle, but like at how the open to my approaches that it's, I think an, a lot of people just want like one straight answer. We want the answer and we want that that one thing, that solution is going to be, is going to work. I guess it's like the magic pill kind of idea. Like they, they want to be t- take that magic pill. Exactly. It's going to be a cure-all. But they want to know that if I eat this same breakfast for the rest of my life, I'll be healthy. Just know what works for me today might not work for me tomorrow. And we are evolving and we are, there's a reason why an infant and a toddler and a child and an adolescent, you know, we, we, we're different. Yeah, it's called growth. Yes, but like, so I think people are surprised because we're still being sold this idea that you do this one thing and you're like, you're good to go, which is we're sold that idea, but it's just not true. And, you know, I think of it even in other aspects of life. You, you're having a conflict with a friend. If you resolve that conflict, you're just going to be a butterfly and rainbows for that friendship. No, no. there's going to be other times. Like, I don't know what that is. It's, it's like maybe us wanting to grasp onto certainty and just like security and knowing. I think it's laziness too. It's like an easy pass, right? Like just give sure. me the one quick fix and let's keep it moving. Sure. sure. And I, I think we're also a culture that a bit obsessed with just like feeling good. So it, it's that instantaneous gratification now. Yeah. Which it really comes down to, in some cases, unfortunately, changing our beliefs and, the, and questioning our values. Yes. And you made a point just a moment ago about not just representation of ethnicity, representing, I guess, health and wellness in an unhealthy society. Yeah. It can sometimes feel, I know for myself, that in some ways I'm swimming up in dream because I'm sure there are a lot of the holistic alternative Eastern medicine, you know, because we have pharmaceutical companies and conventional yeah. and kind of like they're the ones that here with all the money and the quote unquote power. I think we have a lot of power too. It's just different. Uh, it's fascinating to me too. When you eat real food, that's like therefore healthy, nutrient-dense food, that can be seen as like a weird thing. It, or people think you're on a diet or you have an eating disorder because you're getting your food from the farmer's market. Or you're bougie. Yeah. And I mean, again, some of that can come with, as you mentioned previously, there are these, I won't name any names, but there are a few grocery stores where food is really expensive. And in some cases, again... I'm a big proponent for buying quality. Food is something I will pay a bit more for, um, for that quality. But there are ways where food can be more like healthy and not have that crazy point. There's ways to eat well and still be on a budget. But I think therein lies one of the issues that I'm saying. We talk a lot about representation and lack of representation. Again, in the general public, it's more thought about people of color, 
gender ethnicities, but we're talking about a lack of representation in terms of education and access as well here. You know, and it's not having that access to how food can be affordable and ways to be healthier. Mm -hmm. There's not really been a lot of representation in that space that I've seen. Or maybe I, I don't know, and I'm in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's out there as much as the immediacy of like, all right, I'm hungry. Let's grab a bagel. Let's grab this. Let's grab a candy bar. So I think the absence of understanding the information that you've gotten, unfortunately, through your lupus, it's not readily available. And again, to your point, you are offering a more gentle approach to like different ways that you could make your life better. Mm -hmm you know, in a very practical, physical sense, not a lot of people have that. And, and then when I, again, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead ignorance here, Genevieve, and you could totally call me a ding dong. But like, when I hear holistic, I'm thinking you're going to throw granola seeds at me. And it's expensive. And it also signals like, you're very, like, you have to live a certain way. You have to eat chia seeds. You have, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think until we get more understanding of that, of what you're doing with Kikon to people and how it's changed your life. Mm-hmm. I think most people are going to, unfortunately, just kind of go the instant easier route because it's readily available and easy to grab, right? Yeah. Whereas your approach is much more thoughtful. From the time that you struggled with lupus and all of these horrible like aches and pains to now, you're healthy and you feel better. And you're also celebrating who you are in your business and in your brand in every way. What have you learned about your work in the wellness space and some of your clients? How have their lives changed? So I don't work with clients one-on-one anymore. But when I did, uh, this was years ago, um, and I worked with a client and she was recovering from a spinal injury. So she had been in a real critical car accident and they didn't think she was going to be able to walk again. And so throughout her rehabilitation, of course, she was doing lots of like physical rehab. We connected and I guided her nutritionally. But then because of my approach, it kind of evolved into also a lot of conversations and guidance and coaching around where she was emotionally and spiritually just with the whole impact of this life-changing experience of hers. Right. The fact that she was going to be able to walk again, which was like kind of a miracle in itself, but still she'd be limited in some movement and mobility and just, again, how that obviously can can impact you in other ways. And so I can't take all the credit again. She ended up seeking it. She was working with therapists and like all, all this stuff. At the end of the day, I do believe, and, and I think it's true, that it was like, a, again, a, a holistic effort. Right. Uh, I remember... She had said it was like after like one week of working together, I was guiding her nutritionally. And so she was incorporating new, healthier options and just being really mindful again of what she was putting into her body, especially to help rebuild her system and reduce inflammation in the body and all these things, just things that were going to support her body in this recovery. And a week in, and she was just like, this is insane how I'm already feeling so much better. So Again, everyone's going to be different in their experience and it may, someone might feel and see whatever the results they're looking for sooner or later than another person. But yeah, there's a lot of support just from the food we eat, like the way we we go about our days, the the thoughts we keep, the things we consume and, you know, on the internet and the relationships. Yeah. 
all that stuff's really important. And the community piece that I'm so adamant about. Also, when I first came out of nutrition school and that kind of stereotypical image of, a, of health and wellness and nutritionist, it felt kind of very individual. And again, while a holistic approach can look at that specific individual and be like, you're unique and you're going to be different than the person next to you or whatever. At the end of the day, though, we need people. We need community. We need to be in connection. And I feel like we're living in a world where we're losing some of that. Um, bringing people together around food was the intention with my supper club theories. I just wanted to like, just let's sit down and have a meal together more. So Genevieve, I need you to help me sign us off. Let me know who you are and what you encourage others to represent. I'm Genevieve King and I encourage others to connect with each other and build community. I want to extend a huge thank you to Genevieve for coming back sharing her insights on how our own well-being, choices in food, and our health can not only help ourselves, but strengthen the community at the same time. So check out Kikon and follow Genevieve for more. I'm going to have all of her links for you in the show notes. Thank you always to the listeners for coming back and spending your time with us here. Repin is a labor of love. And I am so stoked that you're here for it. Please invite your friends and family and have them join us. It's about all of us coming together. And if you want to support the series, download, share and subscribe and leave a review. That's it. And it really does help. And let's say you won the lottery. You came across change that fell between the cushions of your couch. And you want to buy me a coffee? Well, guess what? You're in luck. I have a link for buy me a coffee in the show notes for you as well. Now, you will never believe this, but Reppin will be reaching a huge milestone of 100 episodes. I can't believe it, can you? Well, if you've got some ideas on how we can mark this occasion, let me know. DM me on Instagram at Reppin underscore podcast. Thank you always to my crew, Nelson Pinero and Gracie Kong. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Until next time, stand up and represent. What if you discovered you could move between the worlds of dreams and real life? That's the story of Dream Breachers, where Evan wakes up on his 12th birthday and realizes that something he dreamt about the night before had actually happened. With the help of his friends, a reappearing stranger, and a mysterious organization called the Dream Academy, Evan will discover what it means to be a dream breacher. Dream Breachers is a high-stakes sci-fi mystery adventure about the highs and lows of having all your dreams come true and is perfect for kids ages 8 to 12. If that sounds like a dream to you, you're in luck. You can listen to Dream Breachers now, wherever you get your podcasts.